Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Just me here today. And today I'm going to do a deep dive on this pretty good book that I read, The Vitamin D Cure by James E. Dowd, MD, and Diane Stafford. Now, I did give this book a mixed review on my Instagram because there was a lot of filler in it. There was a lot of like recipes and exercises, and I really just wanted the lowdown on vitamin D. So today I'm gonna break this down for you. When I read books, I mark pages that are either interesting to me or I've never heard that before, or it's something I might want to use as a reference later. And on this topic, vitamin D, I think it's particularly important to go into detail because in my business, the health business, although you hear a lot about vitamin D in general, the people in my camp and me specifically, we tend to downplay vitamin D or not emphasize it enough. We all know it's important, but I think that is taken for granted by many people and we forget to mention it a lot of the times and it's really critical to understand. So before I get into this, I just want to first of all thank all of you, the listeners. I'm recording this at a time, a weird time, that my podcast has actually been taken down by Spotify and it was actually removed from all platforms because Spotify owns Anchor and I've always used Anchor to publish my podcast. I've been waiting for a resolution from Spotify, so you may be listening to this on my podcast if it gets reinstated, but chances are you'll be listening to this on a new podcast. Hopefully it's still called Notice and Friends, or you might be listening to this on my website, noticebooks.org, spelled notusbooks.org, because since this incident, I have figured that I have to make an archive on my website, so that's where I'm posting all of my podcasts from now on as well as to the podcast world. And on my website, you can find the books that I have written. Most of them are about health. I'm in the health business. That's what we're doing here, talking about vitamin D. You can find all of my channels, my Instagrams, YouTube channels, all that stuff on notusbooks.org. You can find hundreds of book reviews. Again, most of them are in the health category. And you can also find a bunch of other stuff like free audiobooks and more. I don't have any sponsors here, so I don't have any ads to read to you. And the main reason I wanted to thank you is because of the many, many people who have reached out to me since my podcast got taken down. Many of you have told me how important this podcast was to you, how much you appreciated it, 
And honestly, I did not know that it had that much of an impact. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate you being here with me. I appreciate the support from all of you who buy the books and who support our business in the health industry. If you didn't know, we do sell supplements, but we also help people get all of the information they need to get healthy. We do this for free. We coach you for free. We give you free protocols. If you reach out to us on Instagram or on my email, if you're listening to this on podcast, it, all this information should be in the description. You could just email me, say, hey, Ryan, I'd like the questionnaire because that's how we get started. We give you a questionnaire, you fill it out, and then we give you our best advice to follow that questionnaire. doesn't matter where you reach out to us. We should be helping you as closely as we can. Of course, we make money from the supplement sales, but we go the extra mile to help you with all the food stuff and anything else you might need to know that's specific to your case so that you actually get a result. Because unlike medical doctors who get paid whether you get better or not, they get paid even if you die on the operating table, we don't really get paid unless you get a good result. We're only going to make one sale and if you don't get the result, we're not going to get repeat business. We rely on repeat business. So I'm just saying, if you have a health problem or if you have any questions about any of this stuff, including vitamin D, feel free to reach out to us. That is the primary way to support what we do here. And of course, buying the books and all that stuff. I don't think there will ever be a sponsor here because I'm not going to represent any companies that I don't believe in. So once again, you can find everything that I do on notusbooks.org and we will jump right into this. First piece of information that I saved here is the ideal vitamin D levels which are between 50 and 70 nanograms per milliliter. You're going to hear a lot of people say that between 20 and 50 is adequate. Well, this book here, The Vitamin D Cure, says that is not adequate. And I agree, 50 to 70 is a much better level. And in the past, I've downplayed the importance of blood tests, mainly just because I can't actually do blood tests myself. I can't order them. But I've come to believe in the importance of checking your levels of certain things, especially vitamin D. A lot of us are going to have an inadequate intake of vitamin D and an inadequate exposure to sun. Another thing I learned in this book was that you need UVB3 or above. The UVB index has to be 3 or above or you're not making vitamin D in your skin. So I live way up north in Canada and I like to go out and get some sun even in the winter unless it's really, really cold. I like to go out when I'm not wearing sunglasses or glasses at all and just get some sun in my eyes so it stimulates the pituitary and hypothalamus gland. Didn't talk about that in this book. I'm just saying that while I'm doing that, I thought I might be getting a little bit of vitamin D at the same time. It's not true. Not if it's not UVB3 or above. Previously, I also thought that the second best way to get vitamin D was in food, but I've come to believe that that's not true. For example, there's only about 40 international units in one egg yolk, and there's only a similar amount in a slice of liver, whatever that means, a slice, about 42 IU is what Google tells me per slice of liver. And the best sources of vitamin D from food is in fatty fish and fish oils. And we do sell high quality fish oils, but I'm really against the fish industry. So, you know, I've made videos and I've spoken about in the past about the fact that I don't buy seafood, at least very rarely. And recently, my wife and I watched a newer documentary on Netflix. Don't worry, I don't pay for Netflix. It was called Seaspiracy, and it renewed my pledge not to support the fishing industry. 
I did work in marine science a lifetime ago, and yeah, I saw how horrific it was, you know, the massive bycatch rates, meaning they're going out for one species of fish, and they end up catching a whole bunch of other stuff, other fish, dolphins, turtles, sharks, all this stuff, and all that stuff is just killed, thrown overboard, because it's not what they were fishing for. Add on top of that the massive problem of pollution of fishing equipment. A lot of people think the plastic in the ocean is like straws and bags for, for your groceries and stuff. It's not true. The islands of plastic and the beaches full of plastic are largely there due to fishing equipment. So the fishing industry as a whole is really, really bad. I like to eat fish up north where I live, which doesn't come from commercial fishing. It literally comes from like our buddy who likes to go fishing but doesn't eat the fish. So he drops the fish off at our house and we eat that. And it's from our very clean lakes up there in northern Ontario. Very few people up there. There's no massive industrial pollution or anything like that. So I feel good about eating those fish. I'm just saying food sources of vitamin D, I don't recommend supporting the fishing industry. So unless you have access to ethically sourced cold water fatty fish then that's not going to be a good source for you. Now, there is also D2 in mushrooms, some mushrooms, but I think it's going to be very difficult for most, if not all of us, to get adequate vitamin D from food, is my point here. So I'm just saying one of the things that this book convinced me of was the absolute importance of supplementing with vitamin D3. And in the past, including this winter that just passed, I was only taking vitamin D during the winter. This winter, in fact, I was actually banned from America all winter, so I had to be at my house all winter. My wife lives down here in America. I usually go back and forth every two or three months, but I had to stay up there all winter, and I ran out of vitamin D, and I waited way too long to get on vitamin D for some reason. I'm not sure why. I just didn't go and buy it until, like, December. I really, really felt the difference. I felt really, really low, and I knew it because I'd been on it before. My body was telling me, go get some vitamin D. I bought some at the grocery store and just started smashing it. I was taking 70,000, 100,000 IU per day until I felt myself topped up and then dropped it down to about seven, 8,000, which... I think that's a kind of a general good recommendation. Dr. Gundry, he recommends, if you're low, taking doses of 40,000 IUs per day until you're topped up. Again, that's 50 to 70 nanograms per milliliter in your blood. And then dropping it down to about 5,000. I generally recommend people, if they've had a test and they know they're low, do 10,000 until they're proper and then drop it down to 5,000 as a maintenance dose. And I would say the same thing for anybody who is likely to be low and hasn't got a test. This is almost everybody in the northern states of America, basically everyone in Canada, almost everyone in Europe, at least the northern and central European states, everyone in Scandinavia, everyone in England, all this. You're probably low if you're not on vitamin D and you're not getting regular exposure with the maximum amount of skin to UVB3 or above, you're just probably low. So it's just a great idea to get on 10,000 IUs of D3 and then drop it down to 5,000 in like two or three months because you, you should be topped up by then, whether you get a test or not. And why? Because vitamin D is extremely important. Here is a point that I've saved in this book. Vitamin D's favorite partnerships are with vitamin A, thyroid hormone, and variations of growth hormone. So we all know that vitamin D is involved with growth. That's why vitamin D deficiency in 
children and babies leads to rickets, which is a growth disorder. Thyroid hormone is extremely important for your mood, your energy, most of the rest of your hormones, all that stuff. I mentioned earlier, I like to expose my eyes to sunlight. You don't have to stare right at the sun, just get sun in the eyes so that it stimulates the pituitary and the hypothalamus gland. Well, the pituitary and the hypothalamus sit more or less behind the eyes, and they basically tell the thyroid what to do. So this is similar here that this book is saying the favorite partnerships are with the thyroid hormone. The purpose of stimulating the pituitary and the hypothalamus gland is to stimulate the thyroid. The thyroid's in your neck, but above that, those other glands tell it what to do. And this book says probably vitamin D's most important partnership is the one with vitamin A or other molecules such as omega-3 fats that bind to the vitamin A receptor. When vitamin D binds to its receptor, it almost always does so in partnership with the vitamin A receptor which binds vitamin A or the omega-3 fatty acid DHA. In the nucleus of cells, it sits as judge and jury, deciding which genes are turned on and which are turned off. Hey, that sounds important. We aren't just talking a seat on the front row. Vitamin D and its partners, vitamin A and DHA, are conducting the orchestra. And continuing reading, same page here. Most people know that vitamin D is important in absorbing calcium from food. I would say from supplements as well. I would say that's actually the key reason to supplement with vitamin D. Top of my list of most important essential nutrients is calcium. Calcium deficiency is what I suffered with for the first 25 years of my life. That's why I'm in this business because taking calcium and its cofactors fixed me and fixed me really, really quickly. What I usually leave out of the story, you know, I tell people I got my result in less than a week with the proper doses of the proper nutrients but I leave out the fact that I was in the tropics at that time. I was in Costa Rica at that time. I was getting plenty of vitamin D, both from the sun and from those fatty fish. It's a fishing village that I stay in down there. And we were eating fresh fatty fish. So that was key to my result, I think. I believe it's key in many people's results. There's many cases that I've had over the years in the osteoarthritis category that were real stumpers for me. It was like I could give them as much nutrients as I wanted and they weren't getting better because I was leaving vitamin D out of the equation. I think, I believe so. Looking back now, I think that was my mistake. Because usually osteoarthritis or osteoporosis or arthritis or any of the variations, it's usually one of the easiest things to deal with in this business actually, because it's usually just mineral deficiency. So I wasn't expecting to have a hard time with these people and it stumped me. This was back in my early career. I didn't know. I did figure that out eventually that, hey, if they're not getting a result on the basics, add in vitamin D. I don't like to give huge lists, huge shopping lists to people when they're getting started on the program, but I'm feeling the urge now to single out vitamin D more and more often. And I've been doing that more recently since reading this book, actually, just asking them if they're on vitamin D, asking them if they've had their blood levels taken anytime recently, and suggesting that they add vitamin D into their program. Not just with bone and joint problems, but with anything where calcium is a big, big factor. And honestly, I would say calcium deficiency and its cofactors are a big factor in almost all chronic illness. Again, not just bone and joint, also teeth problems, muscle problems. I grew up with musculoskeletal problems, stiff man syndrome, childhood arthritis, Tourette syndrome, anything in the nervous system, any female problem as well, right? Muscles. Muscles are governed by calcium and its partner, magnesium. So calcium contracts muscles, magnesium relaxes them. 
So basically any female problem, particularly in the painful menstruation, cramps and hot flashes and stuff like this, calcium and its cofactors are going to be a big player here. So thus, vitamin D is a big player here because it is absolutely partnered with calcium. Remember, vitamin D is a hormone. It's not like the other nutrients. I think if we discovered it later on, after they had named all the other vitamins, they wouldn't have called it a vitamin. They would have called it a hormone, like insulin. We would think about it completely differently. And anyways, going back to reading the text here. D's importance in the formation of bone and teeth in children is also widely known. In addition, vitamin D helps you build muscle and protects your brain cells from injury or inflammation. Hey, that's what I basically just said. Anything in the degenerative diseases and the musculoskeletal nervous system, calcium is involved. Therefore, vitamin D is also involved. Vitamin D slows the growth of cells, a factor that may well reduce your risk of most cancers by as much as 50%. Why? Because cancer is a disease where cells are growing out of control, right? So vitamin D slows the growth of cells. Vitamin D is also crucial for fertility, glucose control, reducing high blood pressure, and ameliorating seasonal affective disorder, right? We feel sad in the winter. We're not getting enough vitamin D. That's one factor. I would also throw in that people tend to eat more grains and sugar and comfort foods. I think that's a big part of the problem of what they call seasonal affective disorder. But hey, this book is about vitamin D, so it's focused on vitamin D. Vitamin D helps you fight infections and improves the effectiveness of vaccines. Remember during the 2020 thing, a lot of health practitioners, regular doctors even, and alternatives, they came out talking about vitamin D, talking about zinc, talking about vitamin C, but vitamin D was the top of people's lists of things they recommended to help get over the infection or deal with the injectables that uh, we were pressured into getting. Without enough vitamin D, your risk of autoimmune diseases may increase by as much as 300%. Now, one of the things that annoyed me about this book was that there are no, like, superscripts here for me to have a reference. There is a big reference section at the back, but it's not labeled. Like, that one point there, 300%, I would like to know which reference that is, but I'm not digging through this reference section, which is organized alphabetically. I'm not just searching through this for that number. I'm going to have to read every reference there. So, yeah, that was annoying about this book. I wish it was better referenced either way. This page continues on talking about how people think they're getting enough sun exposure, but it's highly unlikely in today's urban digital society, he calls it, which, yeah, I believe that. I'm down here in Houston, Texas right now. It's super sunny a lot of the time. It's also rainy a lot of the time and cloudy and windy and stuff. And just I work on the phone and I work on the computer. Just I try and go out and get sun every day when the sun is out, but I know I'm not getting enough, and I'm in a sunny place. So back up in Canada... <laughs> Not really, not at all. People up in Michigan and Minnesota and Montana and all the northern states, it's very unlikely that they're getting enough sun. Even people down in Los Angeles and Miami, if you work indoors, highly unlikely that you're getting enough sun. Somewhere in this book, he talks about the optimal time during the day to be getting that UVB3, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Well, that's the time that most of us are working. So you might get a little bit on your lunch break, but... I agree with him. It's highly unlikely that the vast majority of modern urban people are getting enough vitamin D from the sun. Now, here's an important part. The more melanin you have in your skin and the faster you tan, the more sunlight you need to convert pre-vitamin D to vitamin D you can use. 
So the darker your skin, the more sun exposure you need to actually make vitamin D in your skin. Continuing on. The melanin in your skin acts as a natural sunscreen that blocks up to 90% of UV light. Dark African Americans need about seven times as much sunlight as fair-skinned European Americans to manufacture the necessary amount of vitamin D. When equatorial dwellers immigrate to the United States, they move from overexposure at the equator and their melanin, which once provided protection from the sun, now turns into a handicap in making vitamin D. So basically, if you're dark-skinned, you should be supplementing with vitamin D, unless you're getting seven times the amount as us white people. And all of us, unless we're outside, we work outside and stuff, all of us are having a hard time getting enough sun because most of us work indoors. So if you're dark-skinned, this is really, really tilting the scales against you. You really want to supplement with vitamin D permanently, basically. And now I'm in the habit of checking the UV index. So if it's not three and above, I'm just not considering myself getting any UV that day. I don't have very many days off. So on days where I do go out and get a bunch of sun in the UVB3 or above, I won't take my D supplement that day. But this is a rare day here that we're talking about. Most of the time, I'm going to need to stay on that supplement. And by the way, we do sell vitamin D. It has the K2 in it as well. In general, you do want vitamin K in there as well. It just makes total sense. It's another thing that makes sense to supplement with. So it's just great to have a vitamin D slash K. And it's even better if you can get the 5,000 IU serving size, which is kind of hard to find. Most of them will be 1,000 or less. And in America, I believe it's the only country that our 5,000 IU product is available. I think the one that's in Canada is 2,000 IU. I have to correct myself if I'm wrong on that. But for most of our customers that are Americans, we do have a great product. I think it's only 20 bucks. That's, that's great. With 5,000 IU per capsule, that is a great deal. Very smart to add that into your regimen. And all of our products are available at wallachswarriors.ca. That link will be in the description if you're listening on podcast. And on my website, notusbooks.org. In the shop section, you can find the link to the supplement page there. So continuing reading here, this author says, This difference is a major reason for African Americans' higher incidence of obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, gout, heart disease, systemic lupus, and cancer. And hey, I think that's a very interesting point. There's no such thing as black genes. You know, they tell you, they tell black people that, They're more genetically susceptible to diabetes and and certain cancers and obesity and high blood pressure and all this stuff. That's nonsense. There's no such thing as any race that's more genetically susceptible to diseases. But this explanation of having darker skin, you know, a natural sunscreen, preventing you from absorbing as much vitamin D, well, this can certainly lead to these problems here. Obesity is a metabolic problem. The fatty nutrients in general in which vitamin D is one of those fat-soluble nutrients, as is vitamins A, E, and K. already mentioned vitamin A here. He says it's one of its most important partners. Well, yeah, because all the fatty nutrients work together, and all the fatty nutrients are absolutely critical to a properly functioning metabolism. High blood pressure, we usually put that in the calcium deficiency category because it's a muscle problem primarily. It could be a clogged artery problem, which is caused by processed foods, but... What I said earlier, anything that involves the calcium family, vitamin D is going to be critical. So it very well could be that blood pressure is responsive to vitamin D because it allows your body to utilize calcium better and hence your muscles better. Diabetes would be a more complicated explanation 
I did write an entire book called Everything You Should Know About Healthy Blood Sugar. I highly recommend it on my website, notusbooks.org. You can find that, but you can also find the free version. Right now, it's only the video version that's on my website, but you can find that. It takes you to the YouTube version where I read it to you and you can follow along. And when I do have my podcast back up and running, presumably I will have the audiobook up there as well. Just it might not be at the same time that you are listening to this episode. So go check the video version if you don't want to buy the actual book. Just saying there's a lot to say on diabetes and blood sugar problems in general. And I'm not prepared to say how important vitamin D is for that. But this next one, gout. Gout's a calcium problem. It's calcium deficiency because it's an acid problem. Calcium is key to alkalinity. As are all of the water-soluble nutrients, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, magnesium, the B vitamins, vitamin C, etc., but again, you need vitamin D to use calcium, so gout is primarily a calcium deficiency. There you go. Heart disease would be more complicated. Systemic lupus and cancer both have to do with the immune system. And of course, vitamin D is absolutely key to the immune system. Everybody seems to know that, even your regular family doctor. And he's wrapping up this chapter here talking about, you know, you could live in Hawaii and still be D deficient. Because again, just because you live in a sunny place doesn't mean that you're actually getting enough sun. In the next page that I saved here, he says the minimum normal vitamin D level is 35, where he already recommended 50 to 70, and I agree with that, but he's saying the minimum is 35. Toxicity, almost impossible to reach accidentally, by the way, would require a level of about 100 or even more than 120. In fact, if you have a vitamin D level of 60, you could still sunbathe or tan in a tanning bed and not experience toxicity. I would jump in here and say... Don't use tanning beds, by the way. They bathe you in dirty electricity, static electricity, or ELF, extremely low frequency radiation. You don't want that. Tanning beds are not good. They're not designed to protect you from the radiation. That has nothing to do with its UV index, just saying. And he's just talking about, you know, you could be extremely low down at 5, and then you could take 25 IU international units per pound, which is a lot, and your vitamin D level would only rise to 40 so he's just saying, don't worry about toxicity, really. Very difficult to do. And skipping to the next page I saved, he's saying here for, for infants, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends 200 IU of vitamin D a day for an infant up to two months of age who doesn't take supplemental formula. This ruling takes it for granted that a breastfeeding mother is probably vitamin D deficient and that her breast milk has no vitamin D. Hey, that's interesting. Honestly, I assumed that vitamin D would be in breast milk, but just like other nutrients, if the mother is low on selenium or zinc, the breast milk is also going to be low in selenium and zinc. So here, true. If the mother is deficient in vitamin D, the breast milk is also deficient in vitamin D. And the next page I saved here all the way at page 100, he's talking about how vitamin D helps you to exercise better, longer, and more productively. You get better results and your muscles work more efficiently, have more oomph, and are stronger. I already mentioned the connection between calcium and calcium's dominance in the musculoskeletal system. This is another page I really wish that uh, it was properly referenced because I'd love to see the references here. Not because I doubt it, but because I'd like to use those references and look into them more. He's saying vitamin D preserves muscle mass and vitamin D improves muscle performance. On the following page, he's talking about stamina. Stamina is important. On the next page here, he says, you need vitamin D to breathe well. 
Researchers measured how much air you can blow out in one second and the total amount of air you can blow out, period. And they found that both were significantly higher in people with the highest vitamin D levels compared to those with the lowest levels. The differences were greatest in people 60 or older, and the difference due to vitamin D was also greater than the difference due to smoking. Hey, so even smokers can breathe and blow better with higher vitamin D levels. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Continuing reading, he's saying to get plenty of oxygen to your muscles during exercise, you need a strong heart and healthy blood vessels. Vitamin D lowers blood pressure and opens up your blood vessels, allowing more blood to flow. The next thing I saved here was actually kind of unrelated to vitamin D, but sometimes people ask me, what is high triglycerides? Because we say, and it's generally understood, that triglycerides are a measure of inflammation in the body. So... We just kind of brush this off and say, well, high triglycerides are caused by eating processed foods. Just stop eating processed foods, get on the 90 essential nutrients, and they should go down. But sometimes people want to know what actually the level is. I try and stay away from levels of the cholesterols and triglycerides because there's so much disagreement about it. For example, we consider the optimal cholesterol, total cholesterol level to be 220 to 270. Well, pretty much every medical doctor is going to say that's high you know you're going to be 180 and they're going to be pressuring you to get on statin drugs and on a low cholesterol diet because they consider 180 to be high whereas we consider 180 to be very low and 220 to 270 to be perfect so i'm not sure if i agree that 150 that's what he says here 150 or more is considered high triglycerides but I don't have that much reason to disagree with it. I think it's just good for me to at least get a baseline number in my head. That's why I saved this. So 150 or more is considered high. And yeah, it's kind of unrelated to what we're talking about here. But that's why I saved that point. People want to know what's high triglycerides. Well, this book says it's 150. Next page I saved, he's talking about calcium. He's saying calcium is also linked to satiety, so satisfaction. And people who take in a great deal of calcium often have a lower body mass index. If you didn't know, when farm animals are eating the fence or eating the feed box or eating leather gloves and clay and chewing on dirt and horns and bones that are laying around the fields, this is called pica in animals, P-I-C-A. And cribbing is what the word is for the action itself. So when an animal is is chewing on all this non-food stuff, you say the animal is cribbing. So if the animal is cribbing... The standard agricultural recommendation is to give the animal a trace mineral salt block, which it should already have already. You're not going to meet a profitable farmer who doesn't have a salt block out for its animals. 
unless it's their first season here, this is like 101 what you learn in agriculture or farming. You put a salt block out for your animals. But the next recommendation in agriculture is to give them bone meal, so calcium. Bone meal. You give your animals bone meal so they stop eating the feed box and they eat the feed instead. They stop eating dirt. In the case of humans, we call this munchies, by the way. They'll only call it pica if the kid or the adult is eating like light bulbs or lead paint chips, right? You hear about these uh, kids in the projects eating lead paint chips. Well, it's from pica, it's from mineral deficiency, especially calcium deficiency. Any mineral can cause cravings, by the way. Vitamin deficiencies, interestingly, cause anorexia. This is well known in the veterinary world, in the animal husbandry world. Vitamin deficiencies will cause a lack of hunger. Mineral deficiencies will cause hunger, especially salt deficiency, calcium deficiency, and iron deficiency. Those will be the big ones, but again, any mineral deficiency can cause a craving. Your body's smarter than you are. It is telling you to eat because it's in desperate search of these minerals. So yeah, just saying. When you see human beings eating weird things, not just light bulbs, but like kitty litter or clay. I mean, in the American South, they'll sell clay in the grocery store. It's marketed for pregnant women. This has been known for a long time that especially pregnant women have these weird cravings. For what? Their body's looking for minerals. So I'm just saying, we know this in the animal industry. So he's saying that calcium is also linked to satiety. More satisfaction from your food. Less weird cravings. Again, in humans, we don't know this really. We know this for pregnant women, but we don't realize that people are out there eating uh, candy bars and, and sodas you know, that are loaded with salt and other junk foods. Pretty much all junk food is loaded with salt. Any food that you think of as primarily sugary, I bet it also has salt in it too. You would get a stomach ache if it didn't have salt in it. You need salt to make stomach acid. I'm just saying a lot of people eat a lot of junk food, I think, because they actually have pica. They have mineral deficiency. So we call it pica in animals. We call it the munchies in humans. We say, oh, that's just the munchies. It's not. It's not. It's caused by mineral deficiency. So when they increase their calcium intake and restrict calories, people lose more weight than they do without calcium supplementation. I would say, well, duh. But this may occur only because they are making up for a lack of vitamin D. Well, hey, that's interesting. I would say do them both. They're both part of the 90 essential nutrients. And we don't take just calcium, by the way. Our calcium product, it has the other bone and joint minerals in it. It even has some vitamin D in it. We just say calcium as a shorthand, basically, because it's the most important one in that group, and it's the most missing from our diet, from our modern diets, and our modern food supply in general. Primitive people out there in the blue zones, they have multiple extra ways of putting more calcium and minerals into their food in general. I do go into much, much more detail about this in the food chapter of my book, Everything You Should Know About Healthy Blood Sugar. Go ahead and check that out on notusbooks.org. A couple pages later here, he's mentioning one of the studies from Boston University that confirmed the connection between UVB light and high blood pressure. When people with high blood pressure were exposed to enough UVB light to produce a 162% rise in vitamin D levels, their blood pressure dropped, both upper and lower numbers, systolic and diastolic. This didn't happen in the study participants who were exposed to UVA light only. What led to a drop in blood pressure was the vitamin D production the UVB light had facilitated. And the very next paragraph says, Vitamin D supplementation works about the same way. When Dr. Michael Pfeiffer at the Gustav Palmer Institute in Hamburg, Germany, gave 148 elderly women 1,200 milligrams of calcium a day, with or without 800 international units of vitamin D per day, those in the vitamin D supplementation group had a 72% increase in D levels, 
a 9.3% reduction in systolic blood pressure, and a slowing of the heart rate by 5.4%. Twice as many in the vitamin D group had a 5 millimeter drop in systolic pressure compared to the calcium-only group. Makes perfect sense. You need vitamin D to use calcium. Blood pressure is governed by this group of nutrients, both calcium and vitamin D. Couple pages later here, other studies suggest an inverse relationship between vitamin D levels and the incidence of heart attack. The lower the D levels, the higher the incidence of heart attack. Numerous studies show that when people increase their intake of dark meat and cold water fish, they have fewer heart attacks and strokes and fewer deaths from those causes. The omega-3 fats in these fish have always gotten credit for this improved health outcome. But these same dietary sources are also high in vitamin D. Yeah, I would say that's fair to say. In fact, Dr. Wallach, one of the times he sued the FDA, which was eight or nine times now, he's won all of those lawsuits. One of those was about omega-3 essential fatty acids. And that's why anywhere in America and likely the rest of the world, when you go to the grocery store or your health food store and you look at the omega-3 supplements, they say on it may prevent heart attack and stroke. It was because of that qualified health claim that was gained from the FDA over that lawsuit with Dr. Wallach and the law firm E. Mord and Associates, which, by the way, I recorded an excellent episode with E. Mord and Associates, one of the lawyers there. Recently, that's on my YouTube, Wallach's Warriors, and it was on my podcast. Again, if you're listening to this on podcast land, that episode should be up, but it's definitely up on my website, notusbooks.org, which, of course, you can find the YouTube links as well in the channels section. But they talked all about these lawsuits, and before that lawsuit, you could only say that eating foods rich in omega-3 essential fatty acid may prevent heart attack, stroke, and various forms of thrombosis. So the, the lawsuit was just all about including supplements in that qualified health claim. And he's got a good point here. The omega-3 fats, especially the fish oils, are getting the credit for the improvement in heart and blood flow, whereas, yeah, those food sources, as I said at the beginning of this podcast are high in vitamin D. In fact, they're the best food sources of vitamin D. That's fatty fish and fish oils. So good point there. And this reinforces our overall message, by the way. We say that you need all 90 essential nutrients. They all work together. Anytime we start talking about individual nutrients, the picture can get really, really confusing because they all work together. So we want to give certain nutrients credit for certain things, but nutrient deficiencies rarely occur one by one. And there are very few like food sources or, or whatever in nature that you could just get one nutrient from. So example here, the fatty fish being a great source of omega-3 essential fatty acid, well, they are also an excellent source of vitamin D and other nutrients too. So just saying, we give them all credit and it's, it's not fair when we pick them out one by one to give individual nutrients the sole credit for this and that. Even in some of the more famous ones, especially calcium, Calcium supplements on their own are probably not going to do anything. It requires their cofactors, magnesium, phosphorus, boron, strontium, and even the more exotic minerals, the trace elements, and rare earth elements like gallium and europium and yttrium and lots of stuff the average person hasn't heard of. But we need these, all these elements. Some of them are in tiny, tiny little amounts, but they all work together is the point here. Individual nutrients don't usually do much, and we barely ever recommend them. Only in some cases... Like boosting your zinc is smart. It's not something that everyone needs to do all the time. And I guess an exception here would be vitamin D because vitamin D is so different. It is a hormone. It is one of the few nutrients that it is smart to boost on its own. 
It's even better if your product has vitamin K in it too, but whatever. It's one of the few that, that can get some standalone credit for what it does. Because being a hormone, it allows you to do other things. Hormones are something that are produced in one part of the body to be used somewhere else in the body. It's just kind of a different concept than nutrients. And that's why I said vitamin D probably shouldn't even be called a vitamin. In the next page here, he's talking about the DASH study. Dietary Approaches to Stop High Blood Pressure which looked at the relationship between blood pressure and Americans' intake of potassium, magnesium, and calcium. This study, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1997, investigated the diets of minorities, mostly African Americans, who had modest high blood pressure and ones who didn't have high blood pressure. The participants ate three different diets for eight weeks each, and researchers monitored their blood pressure. The control diet was low in potassium, magnesium, and calcium. The second diet was high in fruits and vegetables and rich in potassium and magnesium, but low in calcium due to the absence of dairy. A third, a combination diet, added low-fat dairy to the fruit and vegetable diet and reduced the saturated fat. All the diets provided the same amount of calories and salt. African Americans with high blood pressure and those without high blood pressure all lowered their blood pressure numbers, and those with high blood pressure on the combination diet showed the greatest reduction. The blood pressure reduction in this group, amazingly, mirrored that of people who take blood pressure medication, so they got the same result as they would from blood pressure drugs. The DASH diet also had beneficial effects on other aspects of the metabolic syndrome. The combination diet caused a 50% improvement in insulin sensitivity. In a separate study looking at the effect the DASH diet had on metabolic syndromes in the Iranian men and women, they saw reduced weight circumferences and body weight. In fact, the DASH diet worked better than a calorie-restricted diet. That's an important point. The varied diet worked better than lowering the calories for actually reducing weight. Because, we say this all the time, weight loss is not, or weight gain, is not just a matter of calories in equals calories out. You can be on a calorie-restricted diet and not lose weight because your metabolism needs many essential nutrients. In this case, they were looking specifically at the electrolytes, in this case, they were looking specifically at potassium, magnesium, and calcium, and I'm not actually sure why he's bringing this in to his vitamin D hypothesis because they didn't mention vitamin D in this study. But compared to the calorie-restricted diet, the DASH diet significantly lowered triglycerides and raised HDL, and it lowered fasting blood sugar more efficiently. Skipping ahead to chapter 10 here, page 130. Skipping ahead here to chapter 10 called the Vitamin D Cure for Mood and Memory. First point I have saved here is... Consider the roles that vitamin D plays in brain work. Vitamin D controls brain development in the fetus through a sculpting process that turns off or eliminates certain nerve cells while allowing others to grow. It facilitates learning by stimulating growth factors. It serves as an antioxidant in the brain and protects from injury and regulates the repair process when there's damage, using some of the same growth factors required for brain development. And he's talking about some other dietary factors, especially DHA and other fatty foods in brain development. And skip forward a few pages, he's talking about a study at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, which looked at vitamin D levels in people who hurt all over, muscles and bones, but had no diagnosis that explained the cause of the pain. More than 90% had D levels below 20. 28% had levels of 8 or less, which is catastrophically low. Remember, 50 to 70 nanograms per milliliter is where we want to be. Participants were African Americans, East Africans, Hispanics, and Native Americans. Those who took vitamin D supplements saw dramatic resolution of pain, fatigue, and muscle cramps. 
I would say this is mainly because of the calcium family. Once again, in general, I assume pain is a calcium deficiency or a deficiency in the calcium group. And remember, vitamin D is part of that group. It's just, I usually leave it out of the conversation. This is part of the reason why I'm recording this thing, because I'm often going on about calcium and calcium and its cofactors, but I'm usually only mentioning magnesium, calcium, magnesium, potassium, boron, strontium. I'm usually emphasizing the minerals, but vitamin D is most definitely part of this group of nutrients. So pain in general is a deficiency of these bone joint muscle nutrients, including vitamin D. The study author, through a personal communication with James E. Dowd, the guy who wrote this book, The Vitamin D Cure, he said the guy who did the study, which I can't pronounce his name, told him in personal communication that he found that these people's severe vitamin D deficiency was what had caused increased bone remodeling and subsequent skeletal pain. Normalizing their vitamin D and calcium metabolism fixed the problems. No more pain, no more fatigue, no more muscle cramps. And researchers saw similar improvements in a study at Riyadh Armed Forces Hospital in Saudi Arabia. The vitamin D levels of 360 people with chronic back pain for more than six months were tested, and 83% had vitamin D deficiencies. Then, when doctors normalized their D levels, back pain relief improved in all of them. Two-thirds of those who'd had normal D levels also saw improvements in their back pain with supplementation. And I assume that normal D levels there means 35. That's what's usually considered normal. I agree with the author here that we should have more than that, but so even those who had quote-unquote normal levels also saw improvements because only 83% had vitamin D deficiencies, which again, I assume means less than 35. So really, most of the rest of them also probably had deficiencies if they were considered normal at 35. And this is in Saudi Arabia, right? A very sunny place, and they still had vitamin D deficiencies. On the next page... Recent Alzheimer's research at Washington University in St. Louis found that 58% of 80 patients had vitamin D levels of 20 or lower. Participants' mood disturbances, depression, and understanding were studied, and those with vitamin D levels below 20 were 11 times more likely to have a mood disorder and 3 times more likely to have impaired understanding. People with Alzheimer's disease who have early comprehension troubles that progress to dementia quickly usually have very low vitamin D levels. Experts believe that low vitamin D levels probably play a role in the progression of dementia. I would definitely agree. Fatty nutrients in general are key to dementias, as well are the B vitamins. Once again, we just say, you need all the nutrients. We're just emphasizing vitamin D here, but you need all the nutrients for your whole body to work properly and your brain to work properly. And in our experience in the business, a lot of dementias are literally just B vitamin deficiency. Vitamin B12 deficiency Dementia is, is an actual name for a disease that doctors seem to completely ignore. So there's a specific dementia called vitamin B12 deficiency dementia. And I would also say that niacin deficiency, which is well known to cause pellagra, which hundreds of years ago, you know, again, was well known to cause dermatitis, diarrhea, and dementia. Now they basically just call that schizophrenia. Or now they might even call that same disorder like autism or something like that. But it's basically pellagra. It's a word that's not used really anymore, but it's B vitamin deficiency. It's probably not just niacin. Very few people, if anyone, is actually just deficient in one nutrient. I'm just saying there's more nutrients involved in dementias. Here's another point on the next page. The dysfunctional movements of Parkinson's disease point to the source of the problem in an area at the base of the brain that coordinates movement. This region of the brain has a very high concentration of vitamin D receptors. Interesting. 
So the same part of the brain that coordinates movement is also a region that has a very high concentration of vitamin D. Specialized cells in this area produce the neurotransmitter dopamine. Destruction of these cells in Parkinson's disease reduces the production of dopamine, which leads to the loss of coordinated movement. Intriguingly, dopamine can actually bind to the vitamin D receptor. That is intriguing. He wraps this chapter up saying that, in short, current evidence suggests that a lack of vitamin D, dietary magnesium, and omega-3 essential fatty acids makes it more likely that you'll have degenerative brain disease and that it will progress. So increase your vitamin D for a better brain. I agree. Next point I saved here is also very interesting. In the Netherlands, 30 years ago, public health officials recommended rickets prevention at 2,000 IU of vitamin D a day with cod liver oil from birth through a child's first birthday. So for the first year of life, the Netherlands government recommended 2,000 IU of vitamin D. In 1997, doctors at the Tampere School of Public Health in Finland analyzed health records of babies who were born in 1966 in Ulu and Lapland, Finland, which is North Finland, to check for development of type 1 diabetes. This landmark analysis showed an 80% reduction in the occurrence of type 1 diabetes among those who were receiving vitamin D at 2,000 IU per day. Those in the study who didn't take vitamin D and developed rickets as children had a 200% higher risk than compliant children of developing type 1 diabetes. I would jump in here and say, as I talked about in my book, Everything You Should Know About Healthy Blood Sugar, that type 1 diabetes is actually a birth defect in our books because it's an underdevelopment of the pancreas. The cells in the pancreas are not producing enough insulin. This is why children are typically diagnosed like in puberty of type 1 because their pancreas is producing just enough insulin for them to survive, you know, in their early years, in their early years. But then as they're in their growth spurt in puberty, the pancreas is just not performing enough. There's not enough cells producing insulin, so the person is insulin deficient. Type 1 diabetes is insulin deficiency. Type 2 diabetes is not an insulin deficiency. Type 2 diabetes, there's plenty of insulin, but your body is resistant to it. Right? Another word for type 2 diabetes is insulin resistance. So just saying, there's a big difference between the two. I talk about that in my book. And this makes perfect sense to me. Why? Because vitamin D is highly involved in growth and development. So an underdeveloped pancreas, this could absolutely be a consequence of vitamin D deficiency during pregnancy and during childhood. A few pages later, he's talking about multiple sclerosis or MS. In studying worldwide populations, there's more cases of MS in places far removed from the equator, except for those places where people eat a great deal of cold water fish, which is rich in vitamin D and omega-3 fatty acids. Icelanders, for example. I would also throw in there the Eskimos or the Inuit up in northern Canada and Alaska. They hardly get any vitamin D. They hardly eat any fruits and vegetables as well. They eat mostly a fatty diet. And of course, that diet is rich in omega-3s and vitamin D. If you were born and lived prior to adolescence above 37 degrees north latitude, your risk of MS is two to four times higher than if you had spent your childhood below 37 degrees north latitude. Furthermore, if you migrate from an equatorial climate with low risk to America or England, where MS is more common, the risk for the next generation will rise to the level of where you've relocated. So therefore, if you come from a part of the world that has low MS, then you have kids. Your kids are going to have the same risk as the people who live there, whether America or England. That makes perfect sense because MS is not hereditary, despite what doctors say. It's 100% nutritional. The Harvard Nurses Health Study, published in 2004, 
showed a 40% risk reduction in the risk of MS among nurses whose intake of supplemental vitamin D was at least 400 international units per day. These results were confirmed in a 2006 study of U.S. military personnel where Harvard University researchers found that vitamin D levels at or above 40 in subjects younger than 20 years had the greatest impact on risk reduction. This confirms the importance of early exposure to adequate vitamin D to prevent autoimmune disease. Additionally, studies on vitamin D supplementation in people with MS showed reduced disease activity when they began taking vitamin D supplements. And he did not cite those studies. But that would also make sense because MS is a degenerative disease. So if you're degenerating because of a lack of nutrients, then putting those nutrients in should show reduced disease activity. Your body's not just degenerating on its own. It's lacking the raw material to work and the hormones to tell that raw material what to do, basically, which vitamin D is. On the next page, he's talking about psoriasis, and I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to agree generally that psoriasis in eczema and dermatitis is generally a fatty nutrient deficiency. Usually when we're talking about psoriasis, we're talking about gluten because gluten damages the intestines, inflames the intestines, so it prevents the absorption of fatty nutrients in general. So often we just tell people to go gluten-free and they come back three months later or less and they say, hey, thank you, I no longer have psoriasis or I only have a tiny little bit left and, and then we have to figure out, you know, what do we want to boost? Because it's not just gluten. We recommend everybody quit gluten so that you can absorb more nutrients in general and fatty nutrients in particular. And this book started by talking about the relationship of vitamin D to the other fatty nutrients. And we would emphasize this all the time. They work together. So if you have one fatty nutrient deficiency, it's going to ricochet out to multiple symptoms that are associated with other fatty nutrient deficiencies. So your skin requires the fatty nutrients primarily. It also requires all the other nutrients, especially the B vitamins and so on and so on. But in general, serious skin problems, psoriasis, even acne, eczema, dermatitis, and so on, this is caused by fatty nutrient deficiency. So that makes absolute sense here that vitamin D would have an impact on any of those diseases. Now here I'm in the cancer chapter, several pages later, and I skipped to skin cancer and marked a passage here. Recent studies on melanoma complicate the relationship between UV light and melanoma. More than a decade ago, researchers told us that indoor workers were at greater risk of melanoma skin cancer than outdoor workers and that people who worked in jobs that had indoor and outdoor components were at the lowest risk of melanoma. Isn't that interesting? The ones with less sun exposure were more at risk for melanoma. And if you didn't know, this made experts wonder about the sun link to melanoma, especially since we've long known that some of the most common melanoma skin lesion sites are at non-sun exposed areas of the body. Isn't that interesting? You can get melanoma in areas that are like under your shorts or under your shirt. They weren't exposed to the sun. And yet doctors are still out there telling you to avoid the sun in fear of skin cancer. But as the author points out here, this suggests that some sun exposure may actually reduce the risk of melanoma. The results of a National Cancer Institute study in 2004 indicate that you'll reduce your risk of developing melanoma if you take in larger amounts of vitamin D and vitamin A. In 2005, Dr. Marianne Berwick and colleagues at the University of New Mexico showed that patients with early stage melanoma who had more sun exposure had a lower risk of dying from melanoma. More sun, less melanoma. Makes sense to me. Next point I saved here is kind of unrelated, but I mentioned gout earlier, and usually when I mention gout, 
in my regular business and doing Q and A's on the Instagram story, for example, which I do at least three times a week, by the way, of course you can find my Instagram links either in the description of this podcast or on my website, notusbooks.org. And it's the Wallach's Warriors Instagram that I usually do these Q and A's on and people ask about gout all the time. And I always mention, first of all, the calcium connection. Calcium is required to be alkaline. Gout is an acid problem. But I usually follow that up with a statement saying, I've never seen, to my memory, I've never seen a gout case that did not have an obvious gluten intolerance, especially beer drinkers. Beer drinkers are just the most common people that come to us with gout. They don't have to be a beer drinker. You could be just a a wheat eater. You could wake up and just have breakfast cereal. You don't have to drink alcohol at all. It's It's very common in beer drinkers. And in general, they have other symptoms of gluten intolerance or fatty nutrient deficiency talked about gluten intolerance and psoriasis earlier well it's not only gluten you could be gluten free and have a fatty nutrient deficiency so in this book we're talking about vitamin d you could absolutely be completely gluten free and still have a vitamin d deficiency that's going to throw off your entire fatty nutrient group and so you may have some fatty nutrient deficiency problem such as psoriasis or gout so there's always a fatty nutrient deficiency involved in gout in my opinion and this is true for almost everything in the calcium deficiency group i mentioned earlier like menstrual pains and female problems in general i would lump this all in i usually say it's both it's probably a gluten intolerance or a fatty nutrient deficiency and a calcium deficiency same with calcification or stones kidney stones gallbladder stones bunions heel spurs Uh, pineal gland calcified lots of people are wondering about that well anything that's calcified in the body dr wallach who i learned most of this from he would say that's a cholesterol deficiency primarily i would say it's both calcium deficiency and fatty nutrient deficiency because when your body's calcium deficient it pulls it from bones and teeth so you have excess calcium floating in the blood and it can get caught up places form stones or help to calcify a gland or, or something in the body an artery So in general, these problems are both. They're fatty nutrient deficiencies and they're calcium deficiencies. And that's going to be the same with gout, in my opinion. So he's talking here about a study that showed that fruit-based beverages, including wine and fruit juices, either reduced or had no effect on the frequency of gout attacks. So, hey, people say it's a problem of alcoholism. Well, he's saying that wine and fruit juices had no effect or even reduced the effect of gout. In contrast, beverages derived from grain with little or no potassium or magnesium, he didn't mention calcium here, but again, it's a shorthand. They all go together. Calcium deficiency could also mean magnesium deficiency, could also mean potassium deficiency. In general, this group of nutrients works together. So in contrast, beverages derived from grain with little or no potassium or magnesium, such as beer and whiskey, increased the frequency of gout attacks significantly. So he talks about more nutrients that are possibly involved here, and he connects it to vitamin D, but... I just saved that because that's a point that I say all the time about gout, that they probably are also eating grains as well as having a calcium deficiency. And that was actually the last point that I saved from this book. So there was more in this book that was of interest. You know, I I gave this book a mixed review, but I do recommend it. It's worth your time. It's definitely worth understanding the importance of vitamin D. And I hope that here today, we all understand the importance of vitamin D a little bit better. It's worth getting your levels checked and worth topping that up for sure. And that's in addition to our basic recommendations of topping up with the rest of the 90 essential nutrients and getting off the bad foods. And I'm not going to get into those bad foods, but if you would like that list, you can go ahead and contact me on Instagram or on email once again. 
That information should be in the description of this podcast, or if you're already on my website, notusbooks.org, you can find all of that in the channels page of my website. Contact me, I'll just give you the food blurbs, and if you want a proper health evaluation, ask me for the questionnaire at the same time. Everybody who gets an answer from us, we always include those food blurbs anyways. It's just part of our standard protocol. And now you know that vitamin D is something that you should pay attention to even separately from this above and beyond the basic recommendations. And I'm hoping that by emphasizing this more in my daily practice that I'm going to get better general results, especially with the majority of people who do not get enough sun exposure and do not live primarily on fatty seafoods. So for the regular podcast listeners, that is going to be it for now. Just one more reminder. I appreciate you joining me. I appreciate your support in general. Definitely check out my website, notusbooks.org, so you can find everything else, all the books that I've written, links to all of my channels, and so on. And for the people who are listening here on the archive version of this podcast, on notusbooks.org forward slash archive, Stick around because I'm going to continue my recent tradition of sharing a song that's on my mind at the end of these podcasts to wind us all down and just have something fun to share outside of these serious topics we're always talking about. So regular listeners, I appreciate you. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.